Hello and welcome. Uh, this is Keith Hatting with NC Realty Services, uh, bringing you another episode of the truth in real estate and more unscripted. Um, okay, so <clears throat> obviously the thing <laughs> uh, we've been talking about now for months, the pandemic, the coronavirus, the COVID-19. Uh, and, you know, let's talk truth in terms of real estate. I, 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 uh, I'm going to share with you, I was on a CE class recently online because that's how you have to do them now, <laughs> online. And um, part of the conversation turned towards the impact of the coronavirus on real estate values. And I listened and as they talked and several people made different comments. And I finally, I had to chime in and I said, hang on a minute, y'all. I mean, I'm hearing you talk about lowering cap rates and making these negative adjustments and and all this. Now, mind you, these people on this call are from all over, they're from different states. So it wasn't just in my local area or even in North Carolina, but uh, we had people from all over. And so um, I said, hang on a minute before you start just jumping out there, please tell me that you have some data to support those numbers. Because if we can't just inadvertently say that because people are out of work or you know, and the different things are going on because of that, we're automatically going to see a negative impact in the real estate world. We don't want to be the cause for, you know, sending this thing into a recession or a downturn or what have you. And a couple people, they jumped on me pretty hard. They were like, you know, I must be crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> all I'm saying to you is have the data to back it up. Let, let me, let me tell you another story that will illustrate what I mean maybe a little more clearly. And a, uh, a co-worker of mine some years back shared with me that they owned a property on the lake and alongside their property, a canal came up off the lake uh, adjacent to their property. And this individual had two appraisals done. And the first appraiser came out and saw the canal and said that was detrimental to the land and made a $50,000 negative adjustment on his real estate appraisal for that canal. The second appraiser came out and saw the canal and said that was an asset to that property and made a positive $50,000 adjustment for that canal. You're talking about a $100,000 spread between the two appraisers within a matter of a day or two of each other appraising the exact same property. So this coworker comes to me and asks, which one's right, which one's wrong? My answer was, they're both wrong because neither one of them supported the data and could prove that that warranted a $50,000 adjustment, let alone an adjustment at all, let alone would it be positive or would it be negative? And so they were both wrong. And so that's kind of the same thing I'm saying here with the coronavirus is that we can't just inadvertently assume or forecast that things are going to get bad. And so we, so then we project that onto our report or into our reconciliation and impact the values negatively, appraisers are here to report the information, not 
massage the information or not create the information. We're, we're just reporting what's there. I just had a woman call me that I did an appraisal for and the bank did not want to close her loan because some of the pictures that I took showed some final items that needed to be done to her new construction home. And she was calling me saying, well, they're saying they're not going to close because you said the house isn't finished. And they told me to call you and see if there was something that you would do to release it so that they could close the house. And I said, oh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't make the rules. I just report what's there. It's up to your bank's underwriter to be able to say, we're going to close or we're not going to close. We want you to finish or we don't. We want to put some money in escrow or not. Those are not decisions that your appraiser makes. You see, we're given rules and guidelines to follow, not just from USPAP, uh, you know, not just from, from the appraisal board, but from each individual lender has overlays or rules and guidelines of things they need to see in an appraisal report because we're trying to help them understand the collateral that's being used in the loan. So when people call me and they say, well, you know, I've got to fix these five things because my appraiser said I have to fix them. Or when people will call me and say, you said I had to have handrails on my porch. Uh, so now they're not going to let me get the loan until I put handrails on the porch. It's not the appraiser who's making you do those things. The appraiser is reporting what's there, identifying the condition and the situation that a property is in. If you have an unguarded porch, for example, with no rails, the question is, is that a safety hazard to, to somebody who doesn't know the property? Could they potentially fall off that porch and sue you, the property owner, because they did so because you didn't take appropriate measures to safeguard them from that happening? Listen, I've appraised houses before where there's doorways on a second floor and the door's accessible I can open it and there's no steps or porch or balcony or rail or anything that would just to keep me from just walking out of it. You know, that's a huge safety issue and it has to be remedied. Now, the, the type of remedy entirely is up to the bank or up to the homeowner, not the appraiser. Do I care whether you bolt the door shut and you put some kind of safety measures in place that would prevent a child or any person from being able to get out the door and accidentally fall to their death? Or do I care that you build a deck out there or, or porch or something that would that you could walk out onto so you wouldn't have a risk of falling off of it? So it's not the what I'm trying to say is it's not the appraiser doing these things to you. The appraiser is simply reporting what's there. And when you if you ask an appraiser not to report something, then then he wouldn't be doing his job because he's not doing the appraisal for you. He's doing the appraisal for the underwriter in most cases to secure their collateral or to whomever his client is in securing that collateral. And so we just tell the truth. We just tell it the way it is. And the same thing has to be true with, with making any kind of adjustment, positive or negative, relating to something like the coronavirus. In my area, I'm in Supply, North Carolina, and I do... Um, appraisals from the North Carolina border all the way up into Onslow County and all the way back as far as Robeson County. So I cover a pretty large territory 
about eight counties at any given point. And from the data that I'm seeing when I research these individual properties, I'm not finding there to be any measurable impact yet. Now, mind you, we work off historical data, right? We're looking at what's already closed, what's already sold, what's already in the pipeline. And I realized that when a person buys a home, it doesn't close the same day. It's not like buying a hamburger and you're going to pay for it and take it home. But looking at the numbers individually, I'm not seeing it. Now, they suggest that we should be doing some week over week measurements. Difficult to do that. Um, I'll tell you why. There was a local radio show. A realtor has a radio show. Uh, one of them self-promotion sites, um, you know, and the uh, the individual hosting the show, the realtor that was hosting the show was suggesting that his market was way down and way off because of the virus. Things have stopped. Thing, people aren't buying, um, you know. I said to myself when I heard this on the radio, I've got to do some I got to do some research and I got to see. Am I wrong? Is there something going on? Now, mind you, the virus has been around since at least January. It was it was labeled a pandemic on March 11th. And this is May. So in reality, we should have enough information now to start feeling the impact of anything that the virus might cause in and of itself. And, and in addition to that, the impact of the things that we're doing in this country to be able to uh, offset some of the negative impacts, right? Like uh, sending people checks in the mail helps, doesn't it? Um, so what I did was I came back and I said, let's just search the entire regional MLS, which covers almost all of the area I told you that I cover. And in fact, it would have some some reaches into all of those areas as well. Maybe not as good a coverage in all the areas, but some coverage in all the areas. And so I said, let's just take all of the MLS. And I know that's only one MLS in the, in the state, only one MLS in the country. So it's a, a drop, but it's, but it's um, definitely a good portion uh, of my market. So, and I did what, what appraisers use as a Fannie Mae market conditions data search. And I ultimately ended up doing about six months worth. And I did month over month, not week over week. And I found the same thing to be true in the month over month that I was afraid would happen in the week over week. So let me explain that so you, so you can understand. I go into the MLS data and I just search everything on the MLS, everything, period. Uh, active listings, pending listings, closed sales. Okay. I'm not looking at expireds and withdrawals and all that for this market data. I'm just looking for uh, what our market's actually doing and is actively doing now. So, so I pull that data and then I also call out from that, how much of that is just new construction. Then I want to look at the number of closed sales from those numbers. That way I can determine the percentages. I look at the range of value, the highest and lowest in those numbers. I look at the days on the market, 
I look at the average price per square foot and I look at the list to sale ratio and I look at the average square footage of a closed sale. So that just that uh, minimal small amount of data, I take that and I put that out on a spreadsheet and I look at it over the six month period and I'm looking for changes in the data so I can see is it going up or is it going down? What's the market actually doing? Going up or going down, right? Well, clearly the data indicates in my market area that we had a surge, a rise in in uh, inventory and sales in the month of March. And I can and I can say that by by forming that mean line, that medium in the six month as a as a balance and say, here's what our activity level is as a norm. And then we see in March that we had this increase of about 500 houses of an increase in the month of March. So, so obviously if we go into April, people are saying, oh, the market's off. The market is down. But listen to these numbers and then you tell me if the market is down. Uh, and I'll go, I'll just go six months to current. Okay. Total number of properties in the search parameters. Remember, we're talking about active, pending, and closed. 14,339. The following month was 14,555. The following month was 14,127. The following month was 14,320. In March, the number was 15,001. And then in April is 14,467. So you see we're in the 14,000 plus range, going from 127 up to as much as uh, 555. So within a 400 house limit of being in the mid 14,000, mid to lower 14,000 range. But yet in March, we had over 15,000. And so you see we saw this surge in March. now. We can talk about what that, what we think that's from or how that happened. But the point I'm trying to make here is that talking about the mar market being down in April and blaming that on the, on the coronavirus is not a fair assessment. When in reality, if you took March out of the formula, all five of those months are in the 14,000 range. And, and, and April was the second highest in that group. So, so that's just not the case, is it? All right. So let's look at, let's look at the um, price. Um, let's look at what else we can do. Days on market, the days on the market going back six months, we were at um, uh, 66. Fifth month, we had 66. The fourth month, we were at 73. And then we went to 78. And then we went to 78 again. And then we went to 71. So you see in reality from 66 to 71, or if we take the highest number was 78, there's very little change in the length of time. That's what days on markets are. The length of time for the average sale. Uh, now we use that information days on market for a lot of things, not just the average sale, but, but that just goes to show you that, that there's not a lot of movement there. And, 
We went from 78 to 78 to 71 if you look at the last quarter and last three months. So days on month market, the lower the number, the better, not the higher the number. Okay. So our average square footage of our sales, our average square footage, um, when, you know, let's, we'll just go back four months, 1868, um, 1816, 1883, and then 1878. So again, all of those in a fairly small knit group. Now, the one thing that we are seeing in decline, um, well, let, let's back up. We'll do one more sentence, and that is the new uh, new construction portion of these numbers. In the six months, we did 34, 34. Fifth month was 35, 42. Fourth month was 34, 38. Third month was 34, 58. Get me? March, we went to 3602. Remember, that's that sp spike. And then in April, we went to 3529. So again, uh, April was the second highest number. And if we take the March numbers out of the way altogether, it's a pretty tight shot group. So uh, we just have to be careful that we're interpreting the data properly to get a fair understanding of what our market is actually doing. Okay, so then the one number that does seem to be in decline um, to me is there's some back and forth about it, but overall, if I drew a line in the sand, I'm, I'm unchanged in about six months, but that's the price per square foot of a sold home on average. Six months ago was 132.96. Then it went to 138.27. Then it went to 134.64. Then it went to 138.71. Then it went to 135.77, and then this last month back to 132.86. So in this, if you look at it in a six-month range, it's virtually unchanged, but it had a lot of activity throughout the course of that six-month period. Now our market down here may be a little different than some of yours. Our market has is very seasonal, uh, certainly being at the coast and being on the beach. We have the summer um, weeks and months, 12 weeks as we call it. That's the peak of our season, highest demand. People from all over the world coming in here and uh, enjoying our beaches and therefore exposed to our real estate. And many of them want to buy here. So, um, so we have that peak season. And then on both sides of that peak season, we call them shoulder seasons. The shoulder leading up to is a preparation for the peak season and is typically um, housing months for the country most people are have their strongest months are going to be uh, march april may so and then um the following uh, shoulder seasons where we're winding down a little bit from the peak season and heading towards the holidays which is our off season the winter couple months and, and holiday season where people are distracted you can't fight santa claus so um so it's very very um diverse very wide range of numbers could be produced if you were to pull out those segments. Um, hence the reason I went six months and not three months and, and obligate myself to a particular season here. But okay, so all of that to say, we got to support the data with some truth. Here's how that impacts people. Woman calls me to return, she returned a call to me about scheduling an appraisal inspection. And I asked her what she, what it was she was doing. And she said, well, 
I, I'm, we're, we're going to refinance our house while the rates are down. And so we've taken our house off the market. She was on the market to sell. She took it off the market to get a lower interest rate to hang on to it until the market comes back. Until the market comes back. I said, well, where did the market go? <laughs> where, well, the market's gone. It's dead. People aren't buying houses. I said, who told you that? Well, my realtor told me that there were just no showings, nobody walking in the office. They didn't have any buyer leads. And so they're just, this was not a good time to have your house on the market and sell. So, okay, all right, let's analyze that for one second. If that's true, that, that the volume of buyers has slowed down, You also have to understand that your new construction track builders, most of them being national builders, have stopped building new spec homes in anticipation of trying to understand what is going to happen to the market. Okay, because they're not worried about what is happening. They want to know what's going to happen and they need to understand it before they commit a lot of money. So the inventory is being is actually going to be reduced if that's the case. Uh, severely and would mean that house being on the market would actually be in a better position to sell because of the shorter supply. Any demand that would be here would then be a higher demand. So I just don't think what she gave her was good advice is what I'm trying to tell you. I don't think it was good advice. I think she could have left it on the market longer and probably even experienced a sale. Well, look, average days on market, you know, just over two months. So had she left it on the market a little longer and had some exposure to it, she might have been surprised that her house may have sold and may have done extremely well because the same reason she's refinancing for low interest rates, people are walking in my door every day ready to buy because they want to buy at these phenomenally low rates. And so don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't anticipate the woes to come. Let's deal with the woes at hand, if there are any. I, I'm not seeing it. I really am not. Now, would I say the volume of traffic is slowed down coming in my door? Certainly, because people are sheltering in place. And they're staying home as much as they can. It hasn't slowed down the phone conversations and, and the quotes and things that I'm doing for people because they're just doing it a different way than they were doing it before. And some of those changes may be permanent. I think people are going to expect to see the virtual tours and things like that on a much more um, uh, prominent basis going forward than what we're than what we've done in the past. And I understand that. And as technology has stepped up to help us with this um, environment of sheltering in place, then some of those things are just good ideas that need to stay in place. I, I almost doubt if we'll see the, uh, I call them uh, spit uh, shelters that people are putting in place, uh, in, in convenience stores and things like that, like you'd see on a buffet line. And uh, I, I, they'll probably stay up forever. Why move them? Why take them back down? The ones that are installed nicely and look good probably will be better off to stay there. Walmart's got screens up in front of their um, pharmacy checkouts and stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll take them back down, but I don't see the reason to. It's certainly, a, if it was good for the coronavirus, it's going to be good for any other virus or illness. So uh, there are some changes that are probably just going to be permanent and going to be here to stay. Um, 
All right, so all of that to say this, please, please vet the people you're getting your advice from. Now, I put it in my book, your job as a buyer or seller is to vet the people you're using. Let us do our jobs, but vet it carefully because um, if that person's just telling you things based on their personal experience sitting in one office somewhere, um, they may need to expand their horizons a little bit more and think of some um, new and creative ways to to get work or business. Um, so, uh, all right, well, there you have it. I'm, I'm way over time again, as usual. I'm getting long-winded these days as I get older. Plus, I'm not doing these probably as fast as I could do them or should do them. And so I have so much to talk about. <laughs> I could sit down and do three more of these right now. Um, love to hear your feedback and information uh, of what you'd like to share. You, you, you can chime in and just record a message back to me. I'll be glad to add it to my podcast, assuming I can figure out how to do that. Um, you know, or, or just shoot me a text, phone call, whatever. Uh, for you realtors out there that are struggling, don't have any work to do, come see me. I'm hiring and I'm staying busy. Uh, everything, everything I got going, all three of my businesses are wide open. And so we, uh, we're always looking help and we welcome it. So, uh, come see me. I got the best deal in the industry, bar none. So if you're anywhere, uh, around Eastern North Carolina and you are looking for a new way to do real estate, call me. Otherwise the rest of you, if you know anybody wants to buy, sell, trade or invest in real estate, a referral is the greatest compliment you can give me. Uh, I would love to just help them and I certainly will treat them with the respect that your referrals deserve. So my name is Keith Hatting. I'm with NC Realty Services in Supply, North Carolina. And, uh, and until the next time we hear each other, God bless. <laughs>